0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Jason Staples and Greg Barnes. That means it is the Game Plan podcast. Recording this on Thursday night, you know what nighttime podcasts mean. Uh, John Siegley will be working overtime to get this published and out to you. But Jason, Greg and I will have a lot of fun doing this show, rate us, review us, subscribe, do all that stuff on YouTube, subscribe. So you can get these YouTube channels and maybe see us on a Thursday evening enjoying ourselves, maybe see Jason Staples eating a meal during the podcast. Someday it can always be interesting on the YouTube version. If you're on iTunes or Spotify or however you get your podcast, certainly Send us a review, send us a, a rating. It helps us provide more content to you. And if you ask a question in there, maybe we'll answer it on air. Uh, gentlemen, oh, before I forget, Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. How can I forget them? Great sponsors of this podcast. And it is Christmas time. I'll talk about them in a minute, but you need to visit them and support them as much as possible. Get your gear there and there only. Gentlemen, it is uh Wake Forest week. And first I want to say this is the seventh straight game Carolina's played in seven weeks. And, Greg, I want to ask you to who goes the credit for that because we see these games getting canceled left and right. We see uh, across the board um, problems with COVID across the nation. But Matt Brown and his staff, I guess they get the credit. They've done a wonderful job keeping Carolina – safe keeping Carolina available to play uh, I think it's pretty remarkable from where we came from talking about this nearly two months ago
2: yeah absolutely if you would have told me that North Carolina would only have one game postponed well technically canceled but uh, postponed in the sense that they're not going to lose the game at least not right now uh, I probably would have laughed I-, I talked to some people around the program before the season started and nobody thought and thought that UNC would be able to get in all 11 games. Thought it was really kind of a pipe dream. So, yeah, you've, you've got to give, I mean, North Carolina for sure credit. They've taken it seriously from day one, even dating back to the spring. And I, I really think that's a big part of this. Um, I mean, I, uh, I don't know if poetic justice is is the right framing, uh, but when Mullen's talking about, you know, packing the swamp, and then a week later they have all the cases, there's something about that right um and the fact that the mac brown and a lot of these coaches in the acc have been so adamant about doing it to the best of their ability and trying to keep everybody safe so they can keep everybody safe but also so they can get the games in and so that they can uh you play for what they want to play for so they can play for the fans so they can play for for money to help the athletic department all those things and it's been a it's been an effort where they've just really kind of done a good job with it and i think that goes a goes across the board. Um, I know you got the, what was it, the, the Pitt-Georgia Tech game had to be rescheduled. They announced that uh, on Thursday afternoon. So it's, things are still going to pop up for sure. Um, but I think the ACC as a whole has done a really good job in taking this seriously and constructing the schedule where they can move some things, some things around. Because There are a lot of games now on that December 12th weekend. Um, but that's how they scheduled it. They, they set it up so they had some Flexibility. Uh, and as we sit here the second week of November, so far, so good. Certainly knocking on wood with how, uh, how the nation is doing with COVID cases. Hopefully that does not change.
1: Yeah, we, it is Thursday night recording this. You'll hear it Friday morning and there's still time for, for yeah. Wake Forest in Carolina to be uh, moved. But uh, you're right. So far, so good. Jo- uh, Jason. How does uh, by that- the way, I think,
0: I think there's one other thing we should also talk about here in, in terms of that for Carolina. And you notice, there's, there's actually, there's two other things. One is the players have had to take all that seriously sure. for yeah, that's that where I was going to be the case. And, and when you think about what that means as well, when you're in the hunt, when you actually believe that you've got a shot at playing for, say, a conference title or whatever, there's going to be more of a tendency to be disciplined. With that, and that's something that I think the fact that Carolina is actually a good team, and that they've actually embraced the idea that of the of the expectations and all that has kept them more accountable. Right? I mean that that's a factor. That it's one thing you know for the coaches to, to take this really seriously, but it doesn't matter if the players go out and you know go to a college party, or you know go hang out on Franklin Street, or whatever. When you know the team's not actually meeting, so that's that's a testament to Carolina. so there are obviously two sides to this that you know it wasn't Carolina that was the reason for the, for the, the other game to, to get, as you said, uh, postponed, quote unquote. Um, it wasn't Carolina's fault on that. So it still can happen from the other side, but I think that's a factor as well in terms of the players have been invested. And fully sold, fully bought into, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I'm doing this right for my teammates and to try to win a championship. So that's that's another factor. The second thing, though, as well, is North Carolina has still not been hit as hard by COVID-19 as some, you know, some other states and uh, and metropolitan areas as well. And I think that's also part of a part of the factor. There's, there is. There has been significant COVID-19 here, for sure. But, you know, you compare that with what has happened in certain large cities and all of that compared to, you know, some of the places around here. It's not been quite as severe as well with some of the, with some of the places in the ACC, you know, not just North Carolina, but some of the places in the ACC where these schools are. Uh, they, they, it's been ducked a little bit more regionally. Uh, I think, as, as uh, in terms of where the campuses are located, as well. So I think the first one is the bigger factor. The second one also can't be ignored completely.
1: Yeah, and that tells you, folks, how much we do these podcasts. And oh, because that's the exact question I was going to ask, Jason. Uh, <laughs> it was going to be, how does that speak to the Mac Brown's program, his his program of accountability, and all those things? Jason answered it before I could and, ask. And
0: it. coming out and coming out of Halloween weekend, I mean a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably uh you know old enough that you know you have to rack your brain a little bit but y- if you you know don't don't uh you know blow a gasket thinking back too far on this you know halloween on a college campus even when most of the students are uh, have gone home halloween in college tends to be a, a pretty fun endeavor uh for a lot Oof. of people so um you up you know, one memory. of those things <laughs> i told you don't blow a gasket <laughs> yeah. now thinking about this starting to sweat but, <laughs> yeah. You know, Halloween tends to be a pretty good time for college age students. Uh and again, when you're really invested, you're you're gonna be more likely to avoid that scene. Uh when you're less invested, you know, those players might might start uh, you know, decide, "No, oh, you know, I heard about a party over there that's gonna be pretty good tonight and I'm gonna go to that. And the final thing actually to to, you know, make that even easier is when there aren't students, when there really aren't other students to speak of on the UNC campus, that, that, that factor is huge. So if you go to you know, a place like Florida State where they've got students on campus, right? there's, there's a lot more risk. Uh, or Clemson. You know, they've got students on campus. And those places, they're, you know, how did Trevor Lawrence get it? Well, you know, th- there's just a lot more contact that he's going to necessarily have because there's people around. And, you know, UNC, by pulling the plug when they did, actually that made it a lot easier for the, for the programs as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you come to something like Halloween where there are fewer parties because there just aren't as many students.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not getting into the politics of it or, or the mechanisms of it, but when they got students off campus for the most part, that saved the football season, oh, absolutely. In, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. So let's talk about this game. Wake Forest comes to Chapel Hill. If if I'm reading correctly, and it's hard to believe because uh, Wake Forest is just up the road. It's the third time in almost 10 years that the Deacons have been to Kenan Stadium. Greg, they they come in on a four-game winning streak. Uh, But that's not the most impressive thing that Wake Forest comes in with. It's the turnover margin. I want you to explain to me and to our listeners how a team in college football today can be 15 to one in turnover margin. That, that, that stat might be one of the most impressive stats uh, in the nation to me.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting because depending on who you talk to, there, there's a lot of thought that uh, turnovers are uh, largely based in luck. Um, Now, how much can you influence luck? We can have that discussion uh, for quite a while, I'm sure. That certainly plays, plays a factor when you're talking about a, a differential to that extent. Um, but what Wake Forest does is they really take away the deep pass. Uh, they give up the fewest explosive plays in the ACC when you're talking about 30-plus uh, yards, and they're right near the top, and 20-plus yards plays. Um, so they keep everything in front of them, and that forces teams to kind of march down the field on them. And uh, that's that's one of the ways that you get in these situations where they're able to capitalize. Offensively, uh, they're just you know, fundamentally sound. Uh, Sam Hartman has done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, he, he's very smart with his decision-making, doesn't take any risks, uh, and they're able to move the ball effectively. Uh, and they hold on to the ball. I mean, he hasn't thrown a, a pick yet. So uh, it's good coaching, a little bit of luck, and then some schematics. And uh, when all those three things work for you, You end up with a a ratio like that where you're plus, what, 2.3 in turnover margin, which is going to win you a lot of games.
1: Jason, when you're looking at that, you look at their record. They lost to Clemson, which no harm in that. Everybody does except Notre Dame, I guess, last weekend. The outlier there is the shootout against NC State. They lose that game. Um, But let's talk about Wake Forest schematically a lot was made when Jamie Newman transferred to Georgia and then quit or, excuse me, opted out at Georgia. Um, <laughs> You're excused. But Sam Hartman, I've I've mentioned this before on this podcast this week, he actually beat out Newman last year before he got hurt. Um, and then Newman went and had a, a ridiculously good year for Wake Forest with Sage Chiratt's help as well. Uh, neither one of those guys will be on the field in Kenan Stadium. But what does Wake Forest do differently, if anything, than they did last year with Surratt, with Newman, and, and with those guys on offense?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing is that Newman was basically another running back at quarterback. I mean, he, and actually, I thought it was a weird fit for him to go to Georgia to begin with, because you know he he, he throws it well; he's a good thrower. But he's not like a you know NFL level, uh, NFL starter level passer, you know drop back passer. In my view, he might end up playing in the NFL. He's got a strong enough arm, and, and there can be some development there. But what he did at, at at Wake Forest that made him so dynamic was he was able with their extremely unusual like they, they've got a unique offense with what they do with that elongated mesh point where they just you know the quarterback just rides along and just you know they'll, they'll go through the hole together I like I mean, that elongated mesh point that's excellent yeah
1: is yeah. that kind I mean, of like just, the muddle huddle that I call it yeah elongated muddle huddle
0: yeah I mean they, they just <laughs> the quarterback will stick the ball in the, in the running back's gut and then just you know they'll they'll sit there and, and, and this is a response to so many teams deciding to defensively deciding to try to muddy the, the read. So you'll have a, um, uh, like if you're reading the defensive end, the defensive end will try to not turn his shoulders so much that the quarterback obviously has to keep it. He's going to force the quarterback to, to hold it just a beat and then go in on the, on the running back. Cause that allows, allows the defense to to gain regain a little bit of the timing edge. Well, Wake Forest has just leaned into that and said, okay, fine. If you're gonna muddy this and and the read's not clear, my guy is just gonna just stay right there meshing with the running back and he'll just keep meshing, meshing, meshing up the field until somebody goes tells him, You gotta pull it or you gotta give it. So whoever's gonna hit whoever's first, that's when it's gonna be given. And the thing is, when Newman would pull and run, he was every bit as good a runner. I mean, he's you know, 220 pounds or whatever it is. I mean, he's a big boy. And he's going to he's going to that's a grown man coming through through there carrying the football who can move and that guy as a runner gave gave you a ton of problems as a defensive coordinator because he was just hard to get on the ground and that's and you're already adding the problem of that weird mesh point that you're having to deal with and that that uh that unusual read option situation and then they'll add to that you're going with that long mesh point with RPO stuff where the guy, pull, you know, he's going to ride the, ride the mesh point longer and then pull and throw. And so, you know, doing all that with a guy that can, that can run it the way that, uh, that Newman can, that's what really made them so difficult to defend with him. With Hartman, it's different. Hartman's actually a better thrower, in my opinion, than, than Newman was overall. And, you know, in terms of not off of some of that action. Uh, Newman may have had a little bit, little bit better deep ball, a little stronger arm. So, I mean, that worked well with, with, with uh, Surratt. But I think Hartman is a guy that you can, you can throw more concepts with. And, and so that's something that maybe they're not quite as dynamic in the running game, but I think they're a little bit more of a threat to in, in the standard passing game. And again, no interceptions, only one fumble lost on the year. It's, the, the other thing that's worth noting 11 interceptions, by the way, their defense, their defense. I'm just, I'm looking at all their numbers and that's just, I, I, you know, Greg, you were talking about this again. And I had to go and take a look at it. <laughs> it's like, really? I mean, Golly. That's a lot of interceptions, but, um, but no interceptions from Hartman. He takes care of the football. And that's, you know, that's the other thing that you're going to expect from them, but they, they do so such a good job with that read option game of not getting behind the sticks. You know, because they because it's so hard, they always have the numbers. And if you try to bring that extra safety into the box, then they're going to RPO you and throw it downfield, and that's going to make it tough. That they're so often in second and six, third and two, three yard gain. <laughs> second and six, third and two, four yard gain, and they, it, they'll you know it's it's that's what they keep doing to you, and then Hartman. Just makes the right decision over and over again, and then he's going to be consistent as a thrower, consistent enough, and that makes him tough to defend.
2: Yeah, and Tommy, when you look at this this offense in terms of the, the passing game, I mean, losing Sa- Sage Serratt's huge, and not only that, you lost Scotty Washington and then their their third wide receiver. So those are uh, critical losses in the passing. And those game. were their vertical guys, right? And so, what what does Dave Clausen and his staff do? Well. Uh, if you look at what they've done since the loss to Clemson, which was a season opener, they have carried the ball, run the ball 234 times. They have passed the ball 134 times. So 100, 100 difference there. It's 47-27 on average over the last five games. Uh, and so kind of to Jason's point, they're, they're not asking Hartman to be a hero. They're asking him to make smart plays, and they're relying on their run game um, and then their defense has been good. Their defense has not been great. But look, when, you, when you've got that kind of turnover margin and you're looking at kind of, I mean, when I look at Wake Forest, you're looking at, okay, this team is 27th nationally in red zone offense. They score almost every time they get into the red zone. Third nationally in turnover margin. Uh, they're converting third downs, not at a great level, but 38%. It's not terrible. Uh, and then they're, they're, they take care of the ball. And so you do all of those things, and you've got a smart quarterback, you're going to be in a lot of games. And when you add to that, you're not giving up explosive plays. You're making other teams march down the field, which gives them the opportunity to make those mistakes. Um, This is kind of a well-crafted approach. Um, You've got to have the players to execute it. You've got to have guys to know their roles, know their jobs, and, and make sure they make smart plays. Uh, and you can cover up a lot of talent deficiencies that way. So I think you got to give Dave Coulson a lot of credit for the way that he's coached this team, even though they don't have some of the weapons at some of the skill positions that maybe they had last year.
1: Greg, a lot of people always would talk about Duke does not beat themselves. Wake Forest is the epitome of not beating themselves with the things you outlined there. Uh, looking at them, they've got the running backs, Walker and Bill Smith, Have been, you know, that's their version of Javante Williams and Michael Carter, not to that level. But then Roberson, or Roberson, and I apologize for mispronouncing his name if I've done so, uh, can make plays and he's got the speed to get loose. He had the 80 yard against Syracuse. Greg, let's, before we get to the game plan portion about what we think will happen, what's the loss, potential loss of Brian Anderson mean to the North Carolina offensive line?
2: Well, I, I think if, if he doesn't play, that's 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 a pretty significant loss, especially when you factor in we don't know exactly what Jordan Tucker's situation is. Uh, Tucker did play against Duke; he has practiced. I mean, it's really just the the hand that he's got to cast in. Uh, but when you're a tackle, you need both hands, and so having that cast in, they they decided that it was better to have uh, Awesome Richards out there opposite of Joshua Zudu uh, than relying on Tucker too much. And so that that's a big part of what stacy seros has been dealing with and then you add in the fact that you maybe anderson can't go Uh, i spent a lot of time watching him there in the fourth quarter he was in the injury tent for a long time when he came out of the injury tent uh he was not walking normal he was still limping pretty severely uh is that something that can get healed up pretty quickly if he plays is he at 100 percent um but this is not an offensive line that is very deep they have been able to get some guys more reps of late uh, but they really only go six or seven deep. So when you're talking about, you know, Kieran Johnson, uh, who's a walk-on junior, he's he's been a, a good player for sure. But when you're having to rely on him as your starter, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on the young man. And that kind of changes your dynamic because Brian Anderson, regardless of, of his skill set and talent level, he's really emerged as a leader on this offense. I mean, when you talk to, to coaches, they point to Sam, obviously, Michael Carter. And Brian Anderson are kind of the big leaders on this offense. So you lose that that guy up front who can really communicate so well with, with everybody along the offensive line. So uh, it is a, it is a big loss uh, if he's not able to go. Especially with, and we'll get to this in the game plan portion, Tommy. But especially with UNC's need to be able to to run the ball efficiently in this game.
1: Jason, let's let's rank the importance of players on an offense. Quarterback number <laughs> one, right? <laughs> Who's number two?
2: Wide receivers, right? Easy.
1: <laughs> Who's number two? A little bit, it
0: depends a little bit on what offense you're running. But, I mean, In, uh, you, can, Carolinas. You, can, you can make a strong argument that number two is going to be your center.
1: How it, Just detail just briefly, as briefly as you can, what all a center does. Uh, on every given play. I mean, it's not just go up and snap the ball.
0: In most offenses, the center is going to call the front. So the center identifies, based on whatever on on the defensive alignment, who the – you've got to call the Mike is what it's called. And you're identifying the person that is – however you want to talk about it, is identified as the Mike linebacker. And it might not be a linebacker. It's just for formation purposes. Here's who we're treating as the middle part of the defense that is who we – you know whatever whatever our blocking assignments are, they're based on where the midpoint is. So you know if you've got a protection, that guy's the mic. Normally the center calls the mic. Now you can delegate that to the quarterback, but that 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 adds to the quarterback's plate. Uh, but you've got designation of the mic. You've got any sort of uh, uh, protection checks or. Uh, you know, checks in the running game in terms of run blocking. That goes on the, on the center generally as well. It can be done by somebody else, but it's just a lot harder. Uh, and so that usually goes on the center. And then, of course, the center has to snap it, which that's a lot more complicated than most people think in terms of you've got to be – there are a lot of guys who can play offensive line really well who cannot snap. And then there are a lot of guys who can snap it who can't snap and block right you you got to actually be able to snap the ball and you got to remember they're allowed to move as soon as your arm starts moving backwards they're allowed to move so you have to snap accurately while getting hit as you're finishing your snap and then you have to anchor enough to to be able to do your assignment so you got like a zero technique over you and you've got you've got to be able to snap Anchor your feet and then turn your hips and, and all that wherever you're, wherever you're trying to keep that guy from going while he's going on your first movement. Good luck with that. I mean, the, the center is a really tough spot. And Carolina actually asks a decent amount of their center because they move, they, they actually ask, they'll ask Anderson to pull some. They, they do all sorts of things with him. So, and, and that shows you that they believe he can do it. So, yeah, that, um, that's, that's significant. And, you know, the reason that – the other reason that you could argue that it's the center is not only is he essentially the quarterback of the offensive line, but it's sort of like in baseball. If you want to be strong, you want to be strong up the middle. If you're going to have any weaknesses, you want a weakness on one edge because you can kind of compensate for that one way or another. If you've got real problems up the middle, that's the fastest way to get pressure on the quarterback is right up the middle. And if, and if, you've got, if you can overpower somebody and push, the, push a guy right back into the quarterback's lap – nothing causes more problems for an offense than when, when a defense can dominate the middle of the, of the offense. So, you know, this is why you could argue it's the center. Even, though, even if that's not your next best player, you at least have to have that – you have to have somebody you trust at that position or your offense is going to have trouble.
1: Yeah, we know um, how tough pressure up the middle is from 95% of quarterbacks as well. And Anderson's really gotten better in that regard as well. We'll see what happens. I mean, Kieran Johnson can play Jonathan Adorno is certainly a young guy that they can use. We'll see what Carolina does. Let me take a short break. Talk about Johnny t-shirt, com sponsor Mm -hmm. to this podcast, Jason's favorite, uh, advertising read. There is, we need to get another one in here. Uh, (laughs) it's Christmas time, uh, Black Friday deals. They're always having sales. Uh, Look, they, they've been selling this throwback jersey that's pretty cool if you like the old Mac Brown jerseys. In, in fact, it, it, my drink is a theme. It's the 95th batch of blackened Metallica's bourbon that might be relevant on Saturday when those throwback jerseys potentially come out. Johnny T shirts had them on sale all fall. Great thing about Johnny T shirt, not only all the gear they sell is that you get ten percent off your everyday order if you're an inside Carolina premium subscriber. Tack that onto the sales they have and you've made wonderful sales you've made wonderful savings and you've provided a service to a local business that's alumni owned and operated. Shop there, shop online, they're great. You can't go wrong there. National guys are going to pay their bills. We'll be right back with the Game Plan portion of the Game Plan podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Jason Staples and Greg Barnes.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Micah Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've
1: been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. all right. Let's start with Carolina's offense. Um, we, I don't know how we normally do it, but I'm starting with Carolina's offense because Greg, you mentioned the 11 interceptions or Jason, you mentioned Wake Forest's 11 interceptions. They, Greg, they've got nine returning starters on defense. They're led by true freshmen in the defensive backfield that have made plays. Uh, what does Wake Forest do to prevent those explosive plays? How can Wake Forest prevent Sam Howell um, from getting those explosive plays?
2: Well, I'll let Jason dive into the specific schematics of it, but it's just a matter of, of making sure you've got enough guys back where any deep passes are, are um, going to be interfered with, whether it be interceptions or whether it be uh, you know, pass breakups. I and mean, you're really kind of daring somebody to throw deep. And we've seen a lot of teams do that against North Carolina this year. Um, and they've had success with it. And it took North Carolina a little bit of time to, to figure out how to combat that. Um, but I really think more than anything, uh, this, this is a game where, where Sam Howe just has to be smart. I mean, if you look at what Wake has done, how they've won these games of late, they haven't lost a turnover battle in any of these games. And uh, the last couple ones, they've been you know, plus two, plus three. And that's going to get it done. Um, and so what, what North Carolina is going to have to do is they're going to have to be able to sustain drives and they're going to have to have success running the ball. And so what you're going to see, you, the Duke game um, was interesting in that Duke was determined to take away the run. And so North Carolina was able to utilize uh, the pass game, really the quick pass game, early. I think 14 of the first 20 plays were, were pass plays. Some of those are RPOs, of course. Um, and once Duke figured out that, crap, we're not going to be able to stop the, stop the pass, they've got to loosen up, and then North Carolina hit them with the run game, and it was over. Now, this is going to be a little bit different in that North Carolina's got to have success running the ball. And if Sam tries to force the issue down the field, uh, you're setting yourself up for some, some opportunities uh, to have some passes intercepted, or at least have some, some plays not go in your favor. Then all of a sudden, instead of first and ten, you're looking at second ten or even third and ten. And that's not what you want to be in, obviously. So I, I think this is a game that we get to see some discipline out of Sam and how Phil Longa does a good job with him. He forced some things earlier in the year, and he's made made strides in that regard here of late. And so I think that's going to be something to watch, is if he can, if he can take what's there without forcing things and let the run game do what it's supposed to do, uh, that's how North Carolina has success offensively.
1: Jason, build off that. I mean, I think last year the success that Carolina had in the first two games against Miami and South Carolina didn't really work against Wake Forest, at least in the first half. Does this game being later in the season, where Sam Howe's certainly evolved and gotten more patient, does that help Carolina's offense? Or to what level does that help Carolina's offense against a team like Wake Forest? Muted. I get to tell you, you're muted. It's usually Buck. book. <laughs> I, I
0: think it helps a lot that, um, that first of all, they're, they're a lot further along in the system and just in terms of understanding what what's being asked and, and all of that. So you can be more patient. You can, you can understand what you're up against. The thing that to me is the bigger issue here, the bigger help is Wake Forest gave North Carolina ton of trouble up front last year with all the slanting and all the movement that they brought from their defensive line and their linebackers. I mean, they, they, they did a lot they, they played a lot of games up front, and carolina 's offensive line is talented. those guys when they get their hands on you, good luck. but the place where they 've had some issues at times for for last year and then a little bit less so this year has been when teams have moved on them, and when you 've got to have communication and passing stuff off and last year they weren 't very good at that at all i mean they 're in a new offense and you 're figuring stuff out with, with young offensive linemen and you know you just had guys that I mean, I remember going through to look, look through plays to break, break stuff down, and there were plays where a guy would pull, and he's supposed to block that guy, and he just t- had no idea who he's supposed to block. Or, you know, a guy would pull, and the guy that's supposed to block the guy that's over the puller would block somebody else, and just you'd have guys coming completely free. That's the stuff that shouldn't happen this year. and It hasn't happened all that much this year. It's happened a few times here and there, but that's going to happen against, you know, in, in, on occasion – you know, even with experienced teams, but it's happened a lot less. And, and so that, the, the question is whether or not they're going to be able to really, whether we're going to see that difference take over. Because if, if, if Wake Forest isn't able to cause some confusion up front and get the free runners to, to create tackles for loss like they did last year, then North Carolina is going to be able to get, they're going to get that running game started up and then it's easy to be patient. Because then you're, you're running the football, you're able to, to do all that. The, the real danger here is that the guy that you count on the most to make sure that those things are identified is out. And that's where Brian Anderson is just so important. And that's my concern coming into this game is, are they, gonna, are, are they going to be able up front to handle all the movement that Wake Forest is going to throw at them with a different guy at center? Are they going to have some busts and guys coming, coming straight up the A-gap or the B-gap without being blocked just because you have a new guy in there? When you have a bunch of guys that have played together, and I know Ingersoll has talked plenty about this, that when you played next to a guy for years, you just know where that guy's going to be. And when, you're, when all of a sudden there's a new guy in there next to you, that – it it just it it takes some time to get natural again with that stuff and so that's my concern coming into this they should be a lot better but they need to be a lot better in order to be able to to do offensively what they should be able to what they should do and what they need to do in this game
1: Greg is is this a Javante and Michael Carter game or is it a Sam Howell game for Carolina's offense both is not an option it's multiple choice but there is no both
2: yeah, I mean, I think the fact again, I like the the Duke game just because it's kind of a a good test of of kind of what you're looking for, right? Um, you you look at how that game played out, and everybody's talking about, wow, you know, Javante Williams and Michael Carter dominated the game, and their stats are impressive, right? And Sam's are you know okay, but again, the reason they had good games is because of what Longo and How were able to do in the passing game early, and that really kind of broke Duke's back, and then it was. Uh, Javante and Javante and Carter off to the races. Um, I do think with, with Wake uh, really liking the idea of making teams travel the length of the the field, um, I think the opportunities are going to be there to run the ball. I mean, they've been good against the run. They haven't been great. Uh, I think 4.6 yards per carry is what they're allowing. Then um, you know, if you look at Virginia Tech, who's got one of the best run games in, in the country, uh, when they played a couple weeks ago, Virginia Tech had 210 yards at 4.9 yards per carry. Um, but because Virginia Tech doesn't have much of a passing game, uh, Wake Forest was able to capitalize on that. And so I really think it's a matter of uh, utilizing the run game, having success, being able to move the change, wear down Wake Forest, and get into the second half, and then take some shots when you have the opportunities. Uh, the fact that the SAM did so well with the RPO game, especially with some of those quick slants against Duke, that's what you got to do. Um, take advantage of those. You don't have to throw a deep ball every single time. And the more you can do that, you can get into the fourth quarter. We know how good this team plays in the fourth quarter. Um, and the issue has been is that they've gotten to the fourth quarter in some of these games and they've, they've trailed. Um, you know, FSU, of course, in, in Virginia. So you don't want to get in that situation. But I, I think I think the idea of kind of leaning on the run game early – and, of course, Long is going to take what's given to him. And Wake's going to show him some things – Uh, But just trust those guys and being able to make some plays and then hitting in the the pass game when you can. I I think that's the
1: approach. Jason, flip it. Carolina's defense. Um, I'm looking at this as this might be an uh uh-oh game for Carolina's run defense, but it seems like every time Carolina has issues with a running team, it's because the quarterback can move. What can Sam Hartman do that gives Jay Bateman some indigestion preparing for this one
0: it's that long mesh point and it's you
1: know wake forest doesn't need their quarterback to be
0: a horse like like newman was right they don't need their guy to be that now if they get that look out that makes it a lot harder what they need is a guy that's going to consistently pull the ball when it's the right decision because you tackle that running back and all of a sudden the quarterback has the foot has the football and gets four yards and all they need is four yards because now they're ahead of the sticks and they run, they do the same thing, same dang thing again. And if you do the same thing, God dang it, it's now it's, now it's third and two again. Dang it. And now they're going to run it again. And so that's the thing that he can do to give you trouble is constantly make sure that they have the numbers in the right spots. So, and, and again, you don't have to be a super runner as a quarterback. You just have to be tough. You have to make, make the right decision every time. Now, defensively if you can be physical with that guy and 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 you know maybe force him into a bat you know if you can force that guy to pull it when you're actually tack- going to be tackling him now you get him behind the sticks the way to stop wake forest is if you can get them in second and nine they're a totally different offense if they're in third and seven totally different offense if it's third and three third and four god dang it here we go again it's just that's that's what they do, and he's really good at making those decisions in really quick quick spaces, and jumping forward to to do all
1: that. So, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's tough. So let me ask you this: Why, when I watched White Forest play last year, especially with Newman, and I will freely admit I hadn't watched a ton of Wake this year, but. Why would a, a defender, whether it was Carolina defender or not, just hesitate? Why not just hit them both when they're in the mesh?
0: Well, if you can hit them both, if you've got the guy that can actually do that, then that's great. But the problem is if you hit them both, you all, you've got the risk of taking down neither. Right? So, you know, it's one thing if you have, let's say you're, you're, you're Jeremiah Gemmel. You come through and you may, you're able to make, make, make contact and you hit them both. Well, you can't get your arms around both of them, right? You better hit them both real hard because now you're going against 400 and 450 pounds of, of man and you're 225 pounds of man, right? You're going to have – got a problem. So defenses, the way that you've got to do this is you've got to assign somebody who's – this guy is on the on – your job is the running back. And your job is the quarterback. Your job is to tackle the first guy through. your job is to take the second guy through. You have to do that, and you have to and the thing is it makes it makes it harder is you can't just give the same guy the same assignment every time because then they'll change up who they block and how so okay, every time we've you know Jeremiah Gemml's going to be on the running back every time, or we're you know we're going to always have this defensive tackle is going to be the guy that we're going to assign to that gap and he's going to have the running back every time well then they're going to option that guy a different way they're going to block that guy and now he's not now the guy that's responsible for that guy is there's nobody for him and they're going to leave somebody else unblocked and now you're screwed that's option football and that's it's not not unique to wake forest what's what's unique to wake forest is how long they ride that mesh point but everybody who who runs option stuff, and that includes North Carolina, this this is a problem for for teams that that play against them. So, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find a way up front. You know, if uh, Ray Vohacek or you know Tamon Fox or somebody can take two gaps at once in, on a given play, that evens your numbers back out. Now, if he does that and then manages to get himself you know, beat pretty bad, then you're in real trouble, but you've got to, you've got to have somebody who makes a play or, you know, if you're going to hit the running back, hit the running back so hard that the quarterback is going to be affected by it. <laughs> That's what you've got to do. So, okay. They're going to slow that mesh point down. You better Don't, don't even waste time, you know, muddy in that mesh point. Just hit the crap out of that running back and force the, force the quarterback to keep it and then try to hit the crap out of the quarterback when whoever gets there gets there. That's what you got to do.
1: Just hit somebody. That's what I was watching them last year in Winston-Salem. A lot of guys several times just stood there and didn't
0: yeah, that's hit somebody. That's yeah. what they're banking on. They're banking on taking away your aggressiveness. And honestly, you've got to – Jay Bateman has to, has to tell his guys, look, if you've got a shot on this guy, you've got to take it. Yep, hit somebody. Do your play. job and rely on the next guy to do his job and get to the quarterback when he pulls it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Greg, Wake's passing game. I mentioned Roberson early. Uh, Hartman makes great decisions with the ball. The thing about this, about Wake Forest, the, we've talked about the mesh point. I can't believe they've only put the ball on the ground couple times i mean it's unbelievable to me but carolina defending their passing game uh, patrice renee what is going to be important well they can throw it yeah. I, I mean he's got 33 catches for 490 yards i i envision a wake forest or excuse me a georgia tech type yeah deep shot but greg where does carolina on the defensive on, on the back four or, or the defensive backfield who stands out in this one Do you think
2: well, that, that's the, the great question, right? Because we don't exactly know what Kyler McMichael's status is. Um, we don't know Don Chapman's status. Uh, the hope is uh, Chapman's going to be back. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, so you, when you're when you're having to rely on guys, I mean, North Carolina's four starters in their season opener did not play against Duke in the secondary. Uh, that's significant. And credit to the guys that were in there who did a pretty good job. Um, but you, you've got to be careful. One thing I would point out, though, uh, with Wake kind of leaning on the run game a little bit more. Maybe they've thrown the ball 172 times. They've, Hartman's been sacked 21 times. and that, That's not a really good ratio. And so I, I think really what, you, what you're looking to do is you limit the, the run game as much as you can first and second down. We, we talk so much about winning on first and second down. And you get Wake into these obvious passing downs, then that's where you can have some success, and that's how you can get off the field. And like Jason says, you're third and four – versus third and seven completely different and uh, i think that's that's kind of where the the margins are for where north carolina can have some success uh defensively and if you're sitting at third and three or third and four passing games a whole lot easier for sam hartman um and so that that's where you've got to get creative but the the main thing for unc is to win on first and second down to get into some of these downs where you know exactly what he's going to do and you send guys after him and, and try to at least force him out of the pocket, kind of get him down before he can, he can do some damage down the field.
1: All right, I ask all those questions because it's going to come up relevant in my prediction. Um, Jason, let's go to predictions. Carolina and Wake Forest in Kenan Stadium, 12 noon. Carolina's had some success in noon games, especially in Kenan Stadium. What happens on Saturday, Jason? So I, I'm concerned a little bit about
0: some – issues early in the game in particular, thanks to the uh, the Anderson absence that uh, with the way that wake wake is really active up front. They give, they give teams trouble with how quick they are and Carolina's offensive line is huge. And, you know, one of the things that you can do to try to give them trouble is actually give them force them to have to block guys that are, that move a lot and are really quick and caught and get quick penetration and all that. So you know i think there's going to be some early stuff that i'm a little i'm a little twitchy about i'm a little concerned about but i think ultimately the carolina's got a lot more talent on the offensive side in terms of being able to maintain balance and i think ultimately they'll be able to to run it well enough to set up some deep shots and to to pull away in this game I don't think that Wake Forest is going to be able to be balanced enough on offense to match Carolina's, Carolina's score. So I think they're going to be able to run it well enough against Carolina's front. Again, that's, the, that's been the weak, weak part of Carolina's defense uh, to, give them, to give them a game, to give them some trouble. But I think ultimately Carolina pulls away, pulls away on, uh, in the second half in this game. I'm going to go with North Carolina, uh, 41 Wake Forest, 27 in this game. Mm. I scored one, Greg.
2: Tommy, which two games this year has North Actually, Carolina? Gonna, hold on.
0: I'm going to jump down that because I just realized as much as they run the football, the clock's going to run a little bit more. I'm going to go 38 to
1: 24. Did you really yeah. just knock off two – interrupt Greg I Knocked off, knock off, two, off scores two field goals? From, I,
0: no- I knocked off two scores. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> there we go.
2: Well, now I've got to take some time to think about this. Um, <laughs> But, but, Tommy, which, which two games has North Carolina won the turnover margin this year?
1: God, man, you always ask these questions. Uh, NC State. Yep. And they didn't win it against Duke. They did. They did. So, it was yep. State and Duke, I got it.
2: So, the, the two big blowouts. Right. When North Carolina won the turnover margin. So, they lost turnover margin in a 44-41 loss to Virginia, 31-28 loss to Florida State. And they lost it in a 26-22 game to BC as well as that 56-45 shootout against Virginia Tech. I'm not counting Syracuse because they suck. Um,
1: and it was like two years ago.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, 2019. Uh, my, my point is uh, Jason, of course, is, is right in everything that he said. Um, but the, the great equalizers, the turnovers. And if Wake Forest is somehow able to, to win the turnover margin – the plus two, this is going to be a very tight game. Um, and North Carolina, you know, they, they've had trouble forcing turnovers primarily. Uh, and they've had a little bit of mishaps with, with taking care of the ball. They're not, not too bad. Um, I don't think Wake's going to have as much success in forcing turnovers as they've had in the past, some other games this year. Uh, I think Sam Howell's done a really good job. And, and UNC uh, running backs have done a great job taking care of the ball, and not, not fumbling. I know Javante had one, I guess, where Virginia, Um, but it fumbled it out of bounds. So I think because of that, uh, this tilts in North Carolina's favor. This is another one. I'm a little surprised that the the point spread is is two touchdowns. Uh, But I think North Carolina takes care of the ball well enough to win this one. I've got them winning
1: 35-27. Ooh, two Carolina wins, let me tell you. Okay. I ask about hitting both Jason for a reason. Sam Hartman has rushed um, for. Hold on, I had it right here in front of me. Dag on it, Hartman on the years averaging minus four yards rushing a game. I understand that sacks play into that. He's had 21, but he is nowhere near the runner that Jamie Newman is. Uh, the running backs, on the other hand, are averaging 88 and 78 yards a game. They, they have some success, and they're pretty good. Carolina has to tackle the running backs. If Sam Hartman runs wild against Carolina, then you tip hat to Dave Clawson, and Wake Forest likely wins this one. I think that uh, Brian Anderson's absence or not, if he plays, uh, how effective he'll be, I think that is big. We've talked about it, Jason. You really hit on it. Anderson is key. A lot of people were down on him. At times, he has gotten so much better. So his absence is concerning. Carolina has to catch the football. He uh, has to catch the football. Whoever's in the slot. Emory Simmons has been fantastic. They can't have tip passes because White Forest has been opportunistic in getting those type of interceptions. You know, I, I keep wanting to pick a football score instead of a basketball score in these games, but it's hard for me to do so knowing how Carolina can put up points. You said you backed it up, Jason, would you say 38, 24? I'm going to go 40 Carolina, 31 Wake Forest. Um, It all depends, like Greg says, on turnovers. And if Carolina can be smart, if Sam Howell can be smart, and they can hit the running backs and force Sam Hartman to beat them on defense, I think Carolina wins this one uh, in some potentially throwback uniforms. Uh, White Forest is sneaky good, and Dave Clawson is a sneaky good coach, and they don't get enough credit, but I think Carolina pulls it out.
2: Jason, I, I am praying that somebody tries to hit the mesh point and just splits right in between them, just so we can talk about this next week.
1: <laughs> so split the elongated mesh. <laughs> Look, it's, uh, we've gone at this for seven straight weeks in the middle of all this that's going on. You guys have been champs. Folks that are listening, listening to Inside Carolina Live on Saturday, starting at 9 o'clock, you'll get me and Joey Powell, but also get Jason Staples and Greg Barnes live. Uh, in the buildup to Carolina and Wake Forest at 12 noon in Kenan Stadium, and then two weeks off, and Greg didn't announce the Notre Dame time is 3:30 on Friday after Thanksgiving. Black Friday. Yep. Black Friday. So uh, shop online and and watch Carolina. And Johnny T-shirts. Absolutely. I've mm-hmm. already Look, if they're shot, if you're buying Carolina gear anywhere else, I don't know what to tell you. Guys, it's been awesome. You're great. Got to do it for the Inside Carolina podcast. Game plan: Jason Staples, Greg Barnes. I'm Tommy Ashley. Thanks, Thanks Tommy. Tommy.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com.
2: Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com, where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
0: The chilling new original docu series on Paramount Plus.